Do you believe your sensitivity is your biggest weakness? That's what a lot of highly sensitive persons think and experience. I'm going to show you that your sensitivity is actually your greatest strength. We will discuss all kinds of topics related to being a highly sensitive person, have inspiring guests and above all, give you all kinds of information and tools so you can learn to use it as a strength. My name is Annette Zwart, life coach for highly sensitive persons. Welcome to Sensitive and Strong. So, hi everyone. Today I have a special guest uh, in Sensitive and Strong, which is Tom Falkenstein. Uh, Tom's a psychologist and a cognitive behavioral psychotherapist and the author of the book, The High Sensitive Man. And he's currently based in Berlin, working in his own psychotherapeutic practice. And he has uh, worked for uh, a psychotherapist in a private clinic in London. And uh, he first learned about the concept of high sensitivity and noticed that there's, there was a lack of books for highly sensitive men. So Tom and I met for the first time in California in 2018, when we were both invited to do a training from Elaine Aaron, which led us to become the, well, both of us the international consultants on high sensitivity. So last year we have given a weekend workshop together and another one is planned for May next year in the Netherlands. So welcome, Tom. It's great to have you here. Hi, Annette. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, and I'm really happy we, we found the time to, to talk today. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for making the time for this. It's great. Um, so your book has been published in several languages already, and mm -hmm. I really loved it. I think it has so many great tips and tools, and also for women, I think, because it's mm -hmm. not just for for men, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, thank you. Um, thank you, first of all, for saying that that you liked it. Um, yeah. So, as you said in the introduction, I I wrote the book. Um, because I, because the topic of sensitivity came up a lot in my therapy sessions with some male clients, and this made me think about sensitivity, and this made me learn about um, Elaine Aaron's research, uh, amongst others, um, that she started in the 90s. And um, and since there weren't any books on on highly sensitive men, I then decided to to write a book about it. Um, but I I do. Um, I do notice that I get quite a lot of emails also from women who've read the book, obviously. Um, and although it's a book, you know, with the highly sensitive men in mind, written with highly sensitive men in mind, um, I'm always super happy when when women read it and enjoy it. And I think particularly the second part is very um, practical and uh, I give loads of tools and ideas how to, um, you know how to live well as a highly sensitive person and i think those can be applied whether you're you know man or woman or non-binary um it doesn't really matter because i think when it comes to you know dealing with high sensitivity if you would call it call it that i think there isn't that much uh, of a difference between men and women um i think the socialization makes a difference uh on top of the you know dealing with things like overstimulation but um 
but but yeah so i think it is a it is hopefully a very inclusive book and i think that seemed important to me i um you know i although it's, it is called the highly sensitive men although how is it called again in the what's the title again the dutch title um the dutch title is also high sensitive men okay yeah uh so so although it's it's called that it's obviously also a book for for women and also you know for highly sensitive women and, and also um you know they might be highly, highly sensitive themselves and they want to maybe uh, approach the topic maybe they know already quite a lot about it but maybe they feel they want to approach it from a um you know from a maybe a slightly male point of view uh but also they maybe they just want to learn more about um the highly sensitive men in their lives like you know maybe they have a highly sensitive brother or son or partner or father um and yeah so i'm very happy when i get uh, emails from from women yeah yeah well i think you're absolutely right that that the the self-care that an, and a highly sensitive person needs to have I don't think there's much difference in that for men or women. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might look differently what you uh, do specifically, mm -hmm. but the basic of self-care, I think, is is the same for everyone, no yeah. matter what what gender you identify with. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So using that as a starting point, I think um, people often associate sensitivity much more with women mm -hmm. than with men. So what would you think in, in your experience, how do men, the sensitive men experience their sensitivity different uh, than women do? Well, I think, um, so when I started, um, when I first learned about high sensitivity in 2013, um, I, I then, you know, did loads of research uh, about it. And as I said earlier, I, I read about it quite a lot and I looked at books and read all the research that I could find. And um, I found that, uh, you know, as I said earlier, that the, 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 the highly sense of men just weren't reflected on the bookshelves. There, there mm -hmm. just weren't any books. Um, and then I started basically writing the book and uh and and I interviewed about 25 highly sensitive men for the book and nine made it into the book I included nine interviews with um highly sensitive men and what struck me as quite interesting um doing the research at that point for the book is how diverse the group is of highly sensitive men and mm -hmm. how they're not all the same so and and I, and I was hoping to 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 show that in the book by you know including uh, a highly sensitive man who's a lawyer a highly sensitive man who worked as a policeman a highly sensitive man who i think is a, a massage therapist um some are married some are single some are gay some are uh well, one is gay i think um uh, some are straight uh, some are children some don't have children so i just wanted to include the whole um range of of masculinity because at the end of the day the book is very much a um a, a plea for um for more diverse definition of masculinity and when i listened to um to those 25 men i noticed that um a, a lot of them you know it depends a little bit on what kind of experience they make at home or uh, how they've been raised or 
um, in terms of maybe also how they deal with their sensitivity or how they view it rather. Mm -hmm. But then I also noticed that there are some similarities, uh, although those men lived often very different lives. And, and I tried to group those issues that I kept hearing again and again together, mm -hmm. basically. And then I, in the book, I identified three areas that I often heard being described. And the first area is very much um, the, uh, you know, what I call, um, you know, there might be some issues around self-worth and self-acceptance. Um, so you might, you know, you might have struggled you might you might suffer particularly from certain issues around your self-worth if you had if you have been given very negative feedback uh, growing up being very sensitive as a man mm -hmm. um and then you know some other areas like for example um whether you um live a lifestyle that mostly suits your sensitive uh, temperament uh i think that is often has been that often also has been mentioned as a, as a problem and um and the third one uh is the whole area of emotional regulation so a lot of men des described um you know having some issues with regulating their negative feelings um working around acceptance of feelings so i just sort of tried to group you know the themes that came up in both three different categories basically and then try to give some ideas and some tools how to work with those three um three areas that might be problematic and i don't think they've been problematic for all the men i spoke to but i feel that they often came up in some form or another and i think the um the the main issue or well, not, not the main issue but something that i feel really comes up a lot and i think that that, that does make highly sensitive men a little bit separate from highly sensitive women maybe is the fact that being sensitive just isn't very much part of the male the masculine ideal you know of, that we have you know in the western world um so i think being sensitive and being quite emotional is much more um in a way accepted i think in women than it is um than it is for men, generally speaking. I mean, I know I'm generalizing here a little bit, and I'm always wary not to generalize too much, but I, I still mm. think there's a there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, makes so much sense, indeed. Um, I think, indeed, it's it's like the same themes that are also for women uh, very important to learn, mm. like the the, the self worth things and uh, accepting yourself and how to deal with the intense emotions um and what you're saying i think makes so much uh it, it makes so much sense that it's also very dependent on how you have uh basically learned how to deal with yourself if you have learned that as a child or uh, depending also on on your culture how you are how things are seen yeah, especially yeah. if you know that uh, from research also that in like for instance in in japan and in the eastern countries there that sensitivity is seen much more positive than over in in the western countries so to say um mm. then it, it just it makes so much sense that it all depends on how you see your own sensitivity how much of a, a problem or difficulty you have with dealing with it 
Certainly, I, I, I do think we know from from you know psychotherapy that, of course, you know how we're being viewed and how we're being treated by our caregivers, or you know early on, you know in our childhood, really informs and influences how we see ourselves and how we mm-hmm. treat ourselves. And I think if the message has been you know rather negative um as a boy growing up being quite emotional or being sensitive then not for everyone but i think for uh very often i think then that might lead to quite a negative um way of seeing it yourself you know so that you might struggle with accepting that you're quite sensitive or that you're emotional or that you've you know possibly also introverted and not just sensitive but also introverted so, mm-hmm. because no, most, as we know, most of the highly sensitive people are also introverted. So, I, I just find it, um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense that these things play a role. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, if you had maybe a, a parent or a parental figure, or, or, or I don't know, grew up in a <clears throat> in an area or in a, in a school where in a school environment where this was accepted or even uh, liked, then I think you probably have a different view of it than. If someone got the message, oh, this is something negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 um, I think also the the difference in where you are living and how things are seen is also a big difference. Um, and so I'm curious on your view on because you also have you have lived in the UK and you mm-hmm. have grown up in Germany and you mm-hmm. also live in Germany right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's much difference in how these specific countries, how it is perceived to be sensitive? Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I lived in the UK for more than eight years. Um, So I basically spent my first half um, of my 20s there and the first half of my 30s, um, Mm -hmm. roughly. And and then, you know, obviously on German, back in Germany, I also lived in Israel for a while. And I... um, I don't really see that much of a difference between how sensitivity is seen in men between those countries. Mm. Um, I can't speak for Israel because uh, this was, you know, a long time ago. Um, <clears throat> but I also for the book, I um, the, the the men that I interviewed, it was quite an international group. So um, many of them were from Sweden many of them were from the Netherlands, many of them were from Germany, from the UK, from the US, I think as well. Mm. And um, and they didn't seem to describe massive differences. What I do notice, though, is um, the exposure that the topic gets. So I think that really differs in um, between the countries. So um, I feel that the topic of high sensitivity has been quite big in Germany over the last five, six years, mm. whereas, <clears throat> whereas feel, well, I feel it hasn't been so big in the UK. Um, just this week, actually, there was a very big article about it in The Guardian, but I, fe- I feel like in the mainstream newspapers, um, it hasn't been uh, talked about as much as it has been in, in Germany. And I also think it's interesting um, when I, so when I pitched the, um, so when I had this idea to write this book, I then basically wrote a chapter and came up with an outline for the for the book. And then I pitched it to five different publishers and 
um, five publishers in Germany and and two wanted to buy it straight away and three thought oh god no this is not going to sell <laughs> um, and uh, and the um, but but and then it got you know then I wrote it for two years and then it got published in Germany as you said earlier in the, in the introduction and then I think it's then interesting to see okay which countries have an interest in buying the translation mm. rights yeah and um, and I think it's interesting that the Netherlands and Sweden were the first countries to uh, to buy the translation rights. Yeah. Um, so, excuse me, I just have to cough for a second. <laughs> Sorry. So I do wonder whether it says something about the um, how much the, the the topic is is being discussed. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, knowing being Dutch uh, in the Netherlands, it, it has been a topic that is easily talked about, I think, much more. Mm -hmm. uh, and these days, it's also much more discussed even in in businesses and in, in uh, it's, it's just not everywhere, maybe, but in general, I think it's a very well-known topic and, and trait. And uh, from what I've heard of it, that's the same in Sweden. So maybe that's why it's more popular to to have a book about it. And certain countries I know of, like what you're saying, that Germany is only like five or six years doing more about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, also knowing from colleagues in Italy that it's, it's just starting up like the last couple of years. So it depends probably uh, on who is introducing the topic yeah. into the yeah. country. And yeah. uh, well, knowing that Elaine, her book is already, uh, Elaine Aaron's book is published in, I don't know, I think it's over 25 different languages. So yes, you know, yes. I mean, that was, a, I mean, that was, a you know, I mean, I, I mean obviously, I'm not going to compare myself to <clears throat> Elaine Aaron, my <laughs> book to Elaine Aaron's book, Elaine's, uh, um, Elaine Aaron's books, books, but um but that that was huge. That was you know that sold to many different countries. But um, yeah. but I think it is interesting just to see oh who which countries are first to show an interest in buying a book mm. idea yeah. that deals with sensitivity and that also deals with um, with a topic that slightly goes against gender norms, yeah, and gender stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I'm also curious, do you know of any research that that is talking about the differences between highly sensitive men and women? Um, I don't know actually any research um, that no. addresses that. I do know that Elaine uh, initially didn't find any differences between uh, men and women. So uh, mm. I think, you know, her view is that not more women are highly sensitive than men no. um, but I don't think we have any research yet that compares um, highly sensitive men with highly sensitive women no 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 I was, uh, I was just curious because it it, hmm. it might be that uh, men react differently than than women onto specific things and how they uh, perceive uh, the trait itself. So I was, I was just yeah. curious, but I, I haven't seen any research either. So <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's very interesting, and I think it's a very interesting question. Uh, maybe one of your listeners will uh, <laughs> will you know uh, address this question one day uh, as a research project. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, would, I yeah. yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm also curious that um, for for men to know, I mean, if 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 men are just in doubt, like, am I really highly sensitive, or mm-hmm. is it something else? I've worked with clients as well, and they sometimes the men they in the beginning think, well, I'm autistic or uh, something in that or ADHD, and that it's not really clear to them how to. Um, I don't know, get clarity on am I mm-hmm. highly sensitive or is it something else? Is there anything you can say about that? Yes, I think it is a big topic, isn't it? The, mm. uh, you know, at, at, at what point is it um, high sensitivity and at what point is it something else? And And of course, we know that, you know, when we talk about high sensitivity, we see it as a trait and as a, um, not as a psychopathology, uh, so it's a it's a neutral trait, um, but of course it can also be. You can also be highly sensitive, and you can, you know, have ADHD or uh, autism, or or mm-hmm. you know, uh, be, you could be depressed or whatever. So I mean, obviously both things can can occur. Um, I I often feel, and I have this. I, I um, so over the last few years, I apart from having my psychotherapeutic practice, I also offered uh, consultations for highly sensitive people where we, um, where a lot of people came to me and and often with those questions, oh, you know, I've got these and these issues and, oh, this is experienced like this and what do you think it is? And I think what is helpful is really to do a bit of diagnostic. Um, so that means, um, so first of all, you know, to really go through um, to a good a, a thorough assessment regarding sensitivity. So mm-hmm. to go through the HSP scale with the person um, that Elaine, Elaine Aaron um, uh, came up with, um, to go through the DOES criteria, the four criteria that Elaine Aaron defined, uh, and to really do a little autobiographical work to see whether those um, sorry about that. Um, I had a, yeah, I just, uh, maybe I should mention this. I, I have a bit of a cold and I also had my uh, COVID booster um, vaccination a couple of days ago and I do feel a bit under the weather. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, just to pick up uh, from where we left it. So um, I, um, yeah, so I think the important thing is to to really look at that thoroughly with someone who knows about sensitivity um, but I also think, really, it is not bad to speak to someone who has some knowledge about psychology and psychotherapy and other diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you have to do it, but I think it can be helpful. And if the person, you know, if you see someone who doesn't have that, then that's fine. But maybe they know someone you could do, uh, you know, a slightly bigger uh, di- diagnostic assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just because I feel like it's important to rule out that it's not something else. Um, so, for example, you know, um, if you see a psychologist or, uh, you know, someone who knows about sensitivity, but also maybe knows how to do, you know, a question on autism or, uh, you know, a questionnaire on um ADHD or depression or whatever I, I just feel like it might help to get a clearer picture mm-hmm. yeah 
yeah exactly i think that's that's often the case the the when i'm working with clients it's often not that i focus so much on the specific like what is it what kind of traits do you have and mm -hmm. and what is the background but i think the most important thing to focus on always is to to see what is not working and what is what is what is the problems that you have in mm -hmm. daily life and how to address those and to work with those and then maybe regardless of what is beneath all that um and so it's good to have the self-knowledge and to have some mm -hmm. labels like what is it that is going on with me and what is what is my trait how am i uh, what fits me and what not and mm -hmm. then moving on to the like how can i work with this to feel better and be more empowered so to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but i think it it i also had situations where people uh, came and saw me for uh, an HSP consultation and they said oh you know I'm you know I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm highly sensitive and, and then they want to talk about it and then as we go through the HSP scale or as we go through the four DOES criteria it just becomes very quickly very obvious that um, that, that they might be highly sensitive but something else is really going on Mm, um, yeah. And and sometimes, of course, it's you know it's easier to say, oh, I'm highly sensitive, instead of you know acknowledging that maybe there are some other reasons for your for your you know intense feelings and your you know emotional yeah. sensitivity, you know. So, and I think it is a difficult topic because, as I said earlier, I feel like both things can coexist, um, but I feel. Um, doing the HSP test on Elaine Aaron's website is a good start. And I've, if you're in doubt um, whether you're highly sensitive or not, and I think to discuss with someone those four DOES criteria. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think you know I think that is usually a good start, and I think that usually gives you a sense. Oh. <clears throat> yeah that's that, that describes me or or that doesn't describe me yeah yeah exactly um, and if you feel it doesn't describe you or if you like it doesn't quite capture what you're struggling with or, or your experiences then i think it's then good to maybe to see someone who does a more thorough um psychological assessment yeah yeah well i think those are great tips indeed to to get more clarity on the things mm -hmm. that you struggle with and how to deal with it and how to proceed with uh, getting the clarity absolutely I, I do remember um when we did our workshop last year in the netherlands um uh, obviously i'm not going to mention names but i know there was one, one participant who um who then through the workshop basically realized oh yes i might be highly sensitive but i think it's actually something else mm. and and i think in a way you know that helps the, the workshop helped him to you know to get that clearer i feel yeah um, yeah 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 i think that's one of the great things about being in a in a group of other hsps it brings mm -hmm. so much uh recognition mostly and indeed for some people who think they are highly sensitive and they are in a group of highly sensitive then suddenly it becomes clear like 
oh wait i'm 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 different than these people so then mm -hmm. it, it there's more clarity on on that there is a difference and that there might mm -hmm. be something else uh going on yeah 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 absolutely yeah um so one thing that i also loved about your book you talk about uh the emancipation of men mm -hmm. and how there are some very strong beliefs in the world about how mm -hmm. men should behave and while things have been changing a little bit already here and there mm -hmm. um there's still so much um opportunity i would say for mm -hmm. for sensitive men to to be out there and share their um them their empoweredness i think mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm curious what you think needs to be changed about the way sensitive men see themselves yeah i think um not to not to continue stigmatizing their own sensitivity and their own emotions. And I think that is a huge, you know, I think that can change a huge, um, that, that can change, uh, I think that that means it will change a lot in your life if you start doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think you can also change a lot for other men and for, um, you know, for, in terms of being a, a model, let's say, to a role model to, um, to younger men or to boys um, by just being um, authentic with your sensitivity and to um, live well as a, as a highly sensitive man. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, to be accepting of yourself and of your trade as much as possible. And obviously, you know, it, it is difficult and it doesn't always work out and no one is perfect and it doesn't always, you know, but I think just a developing a general sense that uh, it's okay for men to be sensitive and emotional, and that doesn't exclude being masculine, uh, but is actually part of a masculinity. I feel that seems quite important to me, and I think that could change, uh, that could bring bring on uh, a big change in society because I do feel, although things are changing and progressing. I I also sometimes think, mm, yeah, I, I just question this sometimes a little bit, you know, when you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, we, we know, for example, from the research that those men who have internalized this very strict and rigid ideas of what it means to be a man uh, tend to suffer more from depression uh, than men who don't have it internalized so strongly. Um, you know, we know that men die younger, uh, much younger, you know, when you look at who's in prison, you know, it's mostly men. So I just think, you know, I do, I, I, I personally often, you know, when I watch the news and we hear about, you know, some attacks or some, uh, you know, someone snapping basically, or, or mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think it's always interesting that we don't, we often, you know, it's then being reported about, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the the migration status or the ethnic background, but we never 
just say oh it's another young man uh, yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. and I do yeah. and I do think if you see it more like okay so another young man has you know uh, done certain things and and I and I just think it just sort of helps to see it more as a as a crisis you know um, mm -hmm. rather yeah. than yeah and I just sort of feel like I feel like that you know while things have changed I still think there's a lot that hasn't changed and I you know if I think about men dying dying much younger earlier than women and men not are still not really going to the doctors as much as uh, as women uh, men not entering therapy as, as much as women do mm -hmm. um, uh, you know men um, you know as I said ending up in prison much more often dropping out of universities I mean there, there are loads of statistics that I included yeah. in the first part of the book and I and I just feel if you read about it it is quite a um it portrays quite a quite a difficult picture you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's also, I mean, for, I've, I've once heard someone say that uh, for men, the only accepted emotion to express is anger, right? Oh. And that that's the go-to emotion to uh -huh. use and to express. Uh -huh. So it makes sense that um, if, if you're living to that principle that you're doing yourself short, I think, because there's so much more other uh, uh, options and, and, and possibilities to, to uh, I don't know, have a bigger um, options from, from which you choose and how you react to the situation. Um, but one thing I find very interesting that you addressed just a, a, a little while ago was that the masculinity of, of men seems and then with the effort to seems uh -huh. uh, um, not to be present when when there's a highly sensitive man. And so it seems uh -huh. almost that if you're sensitive, you can't be masculine. And I think that's that's a very, very big uh, misunderstanding uh -huh. uh, and also doing the, the trade short. Um, and that's also one question that I wanted to ask, like what is uh, are there specific uh, professions that sensitive men can or cannot do and you said it already a little bit in the beginning uh -huh. when the interviewing your uh, the the men for your book that there was uh -huh. also a policeman and, uh -huh. and uh, other professions and I think um, my husband is in the has been in the in the navy in the Netherlands uh -huh. and uh, he's retired now and doing administrative work but I've seen a lot of his colleagues and I often thought um, even the toughest uh -huh. uh, Navy guys, uh -huh. they have sensitivity sometimes. They use their sensitivity to, to browse their surroundings. And without that sensitivity, they wouldn't be uh, a good uh, military or, or um, policeman if, if also. So um, maybe answering my, my own question already with that. But do you think there's specific um, jobs that, that sensitive men should or shouldn't do? No, I don't think so. I think it really depends on, on, on individual circumstances. I mean, first of all, you know, we also should not forget that some people are just happy to have a job, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and you can't even pick or choose, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, I think, you know, we, we must also remember that, you know, so not everyone can 
uh, can choose under which, I mean, of course, we always have a choice to extend, but I do think for a lot of people, it's about, you know, earning a living and paying the, the rent. And um, so I think that might not even allow the question, oh, is this more suitable to me or, or, or something, or some other job. Um, and I, I know that there's a sort of sense that, um, mm, or maybe a uh, sense of men are um, very arty or, um, and, and, and I'm sure many of them are, but on the other hand, it, it wasn't really reflected in the interviews I did. Um, I mean, I don't want to base it all now on those interviews, um, but, I, but I really felt it was a broad range of, um, of jobs and mm -hmm. some were self-employed and some were employed. And yeah. um, as, as you said, some, you know, one was a policeman, someone else was uh, a music producer. And I just feel um, it depends, uh, but I, but I do wonder whether um, I suspect a job that has quite a lot of stimulation, quite a lot of change, um, that maybe is also um, maybe a little bit, um, I don't know, where you maybe don't have to, uh, that doesn't require a lot of let's say thinking or processing mm -hmm. um i can imagine that maybe a highly sensitive person might men might not thrive in their job for a very long time mm -hmm. i don't know yeah. but i'm but i'm just guessing yeah well i'm um, sure it also depends on whether they are extroverted or introverted exactly. and then also the high sensation seeking trait i mean uh, if you're an extroverted high sensation seeking man then you mm -hmm. definitely do not want to have a a a repetitive job because mm -hmm. you would go crazy i think <laughs> yeah yeah and so it yeah. all depends also on diff on other personality traits i think to uh, do something and i think elaine aaron has also mentioned in one of her books that uh, highly sensitive persons can do any job they want um mm -hmm. and they only for specific jobs they would need maybe to uh, adapt and to uh -huh. sacrifice certain things for that. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. um, yeah. You might, you, I think that's a good point. Um, you, you know, you might just end up maybe working less in that job or <clears throat> you might um, make certain changes in that job, even if, even if the circumstances of the job don't suit you 100%. Yeah, you know? yeah, true. And I also do, maybe that's interesting for, for people who are listening, um, that there's this very interesting book from, um, I think it's called, it's from Barry Yeager, Making Work Work for the Highly Sensitive Person. So if you're struggling mm -hmm. with, with like, can I do this job? How should it, how, how should I proceed with this? Then it's a very interesting book to read. So um, mm -hmm. Good tip on science. And I, and I think, yeah, I think it's a really good idea to, to throw in some book tips. Um, <clears throat> and I, I do remember working with a, with a client in London who was highly sensitive and he, and we talked about, and he was in a position where he couldn't change his job really, at least not immediately. And then we just sort of tweaked a little bit, you know, things like, taking doing his lunch break uh leaving the office during his lunch break finding a, a, a spot where he felt he could relax during his lunch break to you know to not take the the tube um 
all the way to his work so that he mm. could walk a little bit in the morning, mm. uh, you know, not checking his emails on the weekend and stuff like that. So I think yeah. he just sort of worked around, okay, so you're in a position where you can't leave a job that is not completely suitable to your sensitivity, but if you tweak here and there, then it might become a bit easier for you. And, you know, you can still try to find something, a new job or, you know, and I think eventually did get a new job, but I think at that point it was helpful just to do that. Mm, yeah, exactly. Just adapting it to whatever works best for you and as much as possible to adapt things to what works for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so another thing, um, I'm curious with uh, highly sensitive boys and then especially mm -hmm. the parents of those highly sensitive boys um, who struggle with how to support their sons best with mm -hmm. the sensitivity. Do you have any tips for, for, for them? Well, I don't work with children, so I don't um, have that much to say about it. Um, but I, mm -hmm. I do know that, um, as far as if I remember correctly, that Len Aaron uh, feels one shouldn't label children too early with, you know, the label high sensitivity. So there are, you know, different ways of talking about it, um, you know, without instantly labeling your own child and i think that seems to be seems to me quite important so you could say you know you could you could, you could say oh your child is very when you talk to your child oh you're very thoughtful or you're very you know you, you like to really engage with things in, in your life or you like to think a lot about what's going on in your life or you find certain situations um quite stressful whatever so i just feel like there are other ways to talk about it and i remember her saying that um and i liked I like that approach. Um, and I think um, apart from that, I, I just generally feel it's important to normalize sensitivity in children. And, and that means, um, you know, if your child, um, you know, thinks a lot and has a lot of questions that this is, you know, something beautiful actually, and not something annoying or something mm. strange. Yes. Uh, and that it's also okay to have, you know, strong feelings and maybe to, you know, to live, lead by example, you know, by as a father or as a mother, that you talk about your own, obviously in an age appropriate way, but that you talk about your own, um, you know, emotions or, or you show that you sometimes challenge yourself in certain situations. Um, because I think I know from the book, um, uh, by Thomas Boyce that he wrote about sensitive children, he feels it's quite important to really get this balance right between not exposing them, not exposing the sensitive children all the time so that they feel constantly overwhelmed, but also mm -hmm. not putting them, um, not overprotecting them either. Yeah. And I think that balance is is so difficult, isn't it? But that seems to be if I remember correctly from his book, it seems to be um, it, it very much what he suggests and he's a pediatrician, yeah. so he has worked a lot with, with children. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I also know that he uh, talked quite a lot about the, in this book, about the importance of routine. So mm -hmm. to, you know, to not to overstimulate the child all the time with, you know, um, um, 
right, today we do this and then we do that. And then tomorrow we have got this hobby and then we do this and then we watch, you know, the news yeah. and da, 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 or watch a lot of telly or watch, you know, on your iPad, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but to keep it a bit, you know, to scale it back and, and to have quite a, uh, quite a routine that you stick to in the child's life. So I, I those, um, those recommendations I've picked up over the years, although I'm not, as I said, I don't work with children, but mm-hmm. these are recommendations I picked up from Elaine and from Thomas yeah. Boyce and, um, and, and, and what, and what sensitive, uh, partic- um, sensitive patients or clients told me about their own childhood. And I feel those seem, they seem important. Um, those, those yeah. Yeah. So I think basically what you're saying is to to give them time to process everything in our sensitive deprocessing yeah. style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And not yeah. and, and to see it as something that is um, fine. You know, it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Why not? You know. I mean, there's a. It's. I think it's a great thing if your child shows that he or she interacts with the world on a very deep level you know yeah. and has loads of thoughts about the world you know I think it's yeah absolutely absolutely I think that's totally true yeah um so I'm curious like what is the one thing that personally helped you the most to thrive as an HSP well first of all I didn't know that I was one <laughs> until I started the research for my book and um, and as I was going down the rabbit hole of research and interviews um, I suddenly thought just a moment that is <laughs> that describes yourself yeah uh, um, so there was uh, there was quite um, you know obviously very changing uh, for me changed a lot of things for me and then you know, the, you mentioned it earlier, you know, you know, meeting Elaine, Aaron and having a close connection with her. And she, you know, she was a supervisor for a while. And then we did the training together. And, and all of that obviously um, was important because I think it helped just to, you know, I think it's important to know about this concept, you know, and while I think it doesn't explain everything, Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I think it's it's you know I as a therapist because we look at so many different aspects in someone's life I often feel it is one aspect um, there are other things that shape us um, but I think the question of sensitivity is a really fascinating concept and I think it's an important concept and I feel just knowing about it and knowing that it's been researched for almost 30 years and knowing that Although there are some things we, we don't know, there are also some things that we do know by now, mm-hmm. uh, I think is really helpful and really important and really helped me. Um, because I thought, oh yeah, that this sounds really, I just felt very convinced by it all. <laughs> you know, I, just, I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just remember reading the research and reading some pa- papers and speaking to Elaine and speaking to Michael Pluss. Um, and I just sort of feel like, yeah, it just makes complete sense to me uh, that yeah. this is, uh, this is that this exists, you know, uh, yeah. this, this this sensitivity as a trait, um, and I think then um, maybe I was quite lucky in a way because my uh, profession, I think, allows a certain sensitivity, uh, or even not just allowing it. I think uh, it, it as a therapist, it, I think you're being almost trained in being, you know, being yeah. sensitive to an extent and being. Uh, aware of feelings obviously so um being quite self-aware so I think having now 
you know, being now this sort of psychology, psychotherapy bubble for the last, um, what, 22 years, 23 years, I feel um, in a way, you know, was also helpful because it allows um, allows a certain sensitivity. Um, but in a, on a very practical level, I think mindfulness for me um, was really helpful. Um, and that's why I also included quite a lot of mindfulness um, tips and strategies and exercises um, in the book, um, mm -hmm. just because I find it, I found it really helpful. And 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 I'm glad also that the research seems to show that. So I I, I just read a, a quick abstract yesterday um, of a study where they found that it's been it's usually quite helpful for, or at least in this study they found it was helpful for sensitive people to practice some mindfulness um so that has been has been helpful and i think uh also just yeah changing lifestyle certain lifestyle aspects um you know to you know to work a little bit less and to um you know try to be out in yeah. nature as much as possible and just be self-accepting that you know there are certain environments i i can uh stand but i don't love um, yeah. and that's okay um mm -hmm. and i also think um that the whole uh work around uh, mindful self-compassion has been quite influential for me again that's why i also and i use it a lot as a therapist but i feel like that's one of the reasons why i included it also in the book um because a lot of I, I remember a study that showed that sensitivity sensitive people often struggle with their emotional states and also with accepting their feelings and therefore this whole you know um mindful accepting uh and fostering in a mindful uh accepting and and self-compassionate response to your own feelings um i i found very really helpful Mm -hmm. um so i think those are my um my yeah personal, um, yeah well, i love them i love them and i i agree also with all of them it's i think awareness and and mindfulness helps with that mm. but awareness is sort of key to mm. to without awareness you have no idea what you want and what you need and so Definitely. you need that to to create the lifestyle that you that you need to thrive um so yeah makes total sense and i and i think i think this is also where i feel like we're because we both i think we both share this view i i do think it also then came up quite naturally when we discussed our the the structure for our workshop last year but also for you know the structure for our workshop next year yeah. Uh, in in the Netherlands in May next year, where we, you know, where I feel like oh, this is something we both want to include in the workshop, because we both feel that some work around acceptance and mindfulness and self compassion, but also awareness and empowerment, all, all these aspects are really important when it comes to to living well as a highly sensitive person. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's one of the key things for for living successfully as an HSP to have a lot of awareness and a lot of uh, being mindful towards yourself. And I think for most HSPs, especially in the beginning, if you've just found out that you are highly sensitive, that it's difficult to 
to because you haven't been taught basically to listen to your sensitive self and just to adapt to the outside world and to the other 80% norm that is mostly set and so the 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 key thing to focus on is is to have that awareness and and become aware of what what it is that you're feeling what you're needing and I think that's that's uh, in in our workshop and also the one in in May that we are organizing. That is also uh, it comes. Uh, it, it, we talk about it a lot, and we have a lot of tools and and tips and everything that you can practice and just use to get more awareness. It's not something that is uh, somewhere out there and very difficult to uh, <laughs> to, to learn. Uh -huh. I think so. And also the um, being in a group, what I said earlier, uh, mm. a group of HSPs can be so very healing. Mm. Um, mm. And one of the things I want to share about the, the workshop that we did before, we got a lot of feedback from people mm. that we were such a good team um, wow. <laughs> and, and that we that, that we come more, how do you say this, that we uh, added on to each other. And that's, I mean, you being more the serious and the, the, ser the serious one. <laughs> yeah, and also the background in, in psychotherapy. Mm. So you mm. have a lot of knowledge mm. on that part. Mm. And then me as a coach, focusing mm. more from my, my coaching yeah. uh, practice on things. And so the people really uh, enjoyed our, um, how do you call that? That's how you work together. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. I understand what you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think I mean. Uh, well, first of all, I'm glad they uh, they felt that. Yeah, <laughs> they felt yeah, that, they felt that way. Uh, it could have it could have been a terrible disaster. Yeah. Uh, but 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 it wasn't. It was. I I just remember being. Uh, I I just remember you know we met in as I said earlier we met in three years ago uh, yeah. over three years ago now with um, at the training that Elaine Aaron did for for a handful of. Well, two handfuls of uh, two handful of uh, yeah. uh, coaches and, and therapists and psychologists and um, yeah. and I just remember meeting you there and I, then and I and I just sort of thought oh and I think we didn't talk about the workshop straight away I think we just sort no. of liked each other we stayed in touch and I think then yeah. you know I think over uh, over the years I think we suddenly had this idea of oh why don't we do a workshop together and. Um, yeah. And I and I'm glad people participants who who um, came to our workshop last year felt that it worked and 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 I felt it worked, mm -hmm. um, you know, to an extent. Yeah. Us being having slightly different backgrounds, um, um, yeah. So I'm really excited about, about May. I I think it will. I think what because because we did it for the first time last year. I feel it was good to. You know, come back to it and think about okay, what worked, what didn't work. Um, is there something yeah. you want to do differently? And I think, for example, it's a really good idea that we decided to turn this into a three-day or to spread it out over three days. Um, yeah, it's a three-day event starting on a Friday afternoon and then ending on a Sunday afternoon, just to and has it having it as an all-exclusive, um, all-inclusive event, so people don't have to organize their uh you know own accommodation or their own food they can we can we're all going to stay together in this amazing yeah. uh place yeah. and and they're being cooked for and it's all vegetarian and i just um i just love this idea of arriving for this long weekend in this very peaceful setting and us really having a little bit more time to uh engage with with the topic of sensitivity and, and self-care and empowerment 
Yes, exactly. You described that very well, I think. And indeed, it's a beautiful place, uh, an old convent. So, uh, and it being all inclusive is also giving you more uh, relaxation time and not mm -hmm. having to travel back and forth to the place. So, yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to it as well. And I'm sure it will be even better than the one before. So, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> me too, me too, me too. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking we we're almost at the end uh, of our uh, conversation today. Um, is there anything else you want to share as a sort of closure? <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot uh, and mm -hmm. I think we covered all the most important bits. I, I do hope that people, that your listeners um, enjoy the book or, or you know will enjoy the book um it was very much a, <clears throat> a passion project for me i i can really say that i um I, I wrote it over two years while working as a therapist uh, and i wrote it on the weekends and and then had a writing day eventually and i really you know as i said earlier i i met up with elaine aaron i met up with michael plus so i'd really try to you know get in get direct um um feedback and 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 quotes and, and and wisdom from from the leading researchers because i just felt it was so important to um to base it in 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 research and and it is you know as you said earlier i think it is the first half is quite theoretical and the second half is quite practical so i do think it offers um you know different uh for different people but i um yeah i'm just glad it's it's out there i'm glad it was so well received um in the netherlands i'm glad there's a very proud that there's a dutch edition um because i <clears throat> just because i feel um you know i i feel quite strongly about uh europe and i i grew up uh you know as i said earlier in different countries and with friends from different uh countries and i it was just always um really my dream that um that the book would be available in different languages and um and then being you know the dutch publisher um aw bruna i don't know how you pronounce it um <laughs> you know was the first one who who, who were interested in the in the in the uh, dutch translation rights i i just i was just very excited about it so i'm glad um it's available and i hope people will will enjoy it yeah yeah, well, I'm sure. I mean, I hope there will be more languages added to the to your list of translations. I think it definitely deserves that. Um, so great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and have this the conversation with me. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again someday. <laughs> thank you very much, Annette, for inviting me. And I'm glad my voice and the <clears throat> as I said, the uh, the uh, booster shot uh, allowed the conversation today, uh, and my voice held up. Um, but I um, and I'm, I will definitely see you in uh, in, in May. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, the latest, but hopefully before that. Yes. And good <laughs> okay. good luck with your good luck with your podcast. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening today. If you want to become sensitive and strong as well, visit my website highsensitivecoaching.com and sign up for my newsletter which comes out once a month with information about my webinars, programs, coaching sessions and all other activities. Join me next time again at Sensitive and Strong.